they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, um, November the 20th. It is the Friday of the 33rd week in ordinary time. It's the last week of the liturgical year, Well, no? not quite. Sunday. Sunday is Christ the King, yeah. and the week following Christ the King is the last week of the liturgical year. So... Because because the new liturgical year starts on the first Sunday of Advent. Well, so is Advent the twenty eighth of November? The 29th. 29th. Advent starts on the twenty ninth of November. Got it. So Got it. this week is the second to the last week of the liturgical year. Next week is the last week. And what the church reminds us every year at this time is that um, you know life is that cycle of beginning and end, beginning and end, and and we're supposed to be um, preparing for death all the time. We're supposed to be preparing. Because death is not something we should be afraid of. So we want to talk today about the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, Beautiful. and what we should be preparing about for. But if you notice, the readings this week were from the book of Revelation. They will be next week also. And um, it just, again, the, the book of Revelation is not, it's not, um, it's not a preview of the end of time. Okay. The book of Revelation is actually talking about um historically there's a historical setting for this so there's there are things that have already happened all right but the reality of the constant battle between good and evil takes place and and that's the constant battle between god and satan who rebelled against god and god's trying to get everybody to heaven and satan's trying to get everybody to hell mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that you want to take a look at that but i want to go at the look at the gospel for today mm-hmm. the gospel uh, from luke 19 45 through 48 and then we'll get into our, um, the fullness of our topic on the, the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. So in the gospel today, Jesus entered the temple area and proceeded to drive out those who were selling things, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And every day he was teaching in the temple area. The chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people, meanwhile, were seeking to put him to death. But they could find no way to accomplish their purpose because all the people were hanging on his words, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So here we have Jesus coming into the temple. By the way, this is one incident in the life of our Lord that is recorded in all four gospels. Mm -hmm. Even John records this incident of Christ cleansing the temple. Mm -hmm. And the the whole idea is the temple was supposed to be um, actually the the, kind of the, the... How do you say that? The gateway to heaven, because it's the place where we come together on earth to be with God and God is present in his temple. And, and, you know, what is heaven? Heaven is where God is and God lives in our hearts because of baptism, because he chooses to live in us. He is also present in us and his creative presence, but um, also he lives in his temple. His presence was there. The Shekinah, the glory cloud of God, had been in the temple. So this was the place the people came together to worship. So the purpose of the temple was to worship. And it wasn't just for the Jews. There was the court of the Gentiles. The Gentiles were invited in to worship because the Jews were supposed to bring all people of the earth to God. They were supposed to make him known. And, And so the court of the Gentiles is where the buying and the selling was taking place. 
Well, the interesting thing about that is in, in, that, in that time, at Jesus' day, there was animal sacrifice in the temple. And you see, how are you going to get the animals? You're going to, you know, people are, are pilgrimaging to Jerusalem. So many of them would buy the animals there at the temple. But what happened was the prices being charged were unfair. And money, people would come from all over the world. So money changes were changing the money into the currency of Palestine or Jerusalem there. So they would be charging a fee. Well, no, this isn't supposed to be going on. The temple is not a common marketplace. If you want to charge a fee, you go out in the marketplace and set up your booth and have your money. Not in, my, not in the temple. The temple is a place of prayer where all people are supposed to be brought to God. So Jesus Christ is driving them out. He's driving out the money changers. He has to drive out the animals. You know, the, cord, the, the whip of cords. How are you going to drive the animals out? Well, he's God. I guess he could have just commanded them and you know, worked a miracle, but he didn't. He's God, but he's also truly man. And so he acts like a man. <clears throat> and he drives the, the money changers out. He drives because they're stealing from people and they're, they're keeping people from praying. When you have all this interaction, this commerce going on in the, gen, in the court of the Gentiles, the Gentiles can no longer pray. You know, it's like when people are standing in the vestibule of church during mass and talking and gossiping. You know, it actually disrupts the people who are right in the back of church too. But the people in the back of the vestibule who are gossiping and, and whatever, are chatting or just chit-chatting about nothing, they're not participating. They're not praying. And, and it was the priest this morning at Mass pointed that out. He said, what do we do in church? Church is a place of prayer. What kind of things are we doing in church? Are we gossiping? Are we just wasting our time? Are we watching the news on our phones? Are we, are we praying? Are we actually present to God and praying? So we need to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, and maybe we need to cleanse. The first temple, of course, that needs to be cleansed is our own body because our body is a temple of God. And so Jesus is, is showing us here, um, we shouldn't bring, bring in commerce into our worship of God. You know, it's not, it's not tit for tat and it's not, okay, Lord, uh, you do this for me, I'll do that for you, you know? No, it's, I, the Lord gives us everything, he gives us himself. And he made us, he made us in his own image. So everything that we are and have that is good is from God. And so the very fact that we exist is a gift from God. So we give ourselves back to God and we pray. We should enter into conversation with God and allow him to speak to us and change us. And if, yeah, we need a little cleaning up, okay, Lord, get to it. You, you cleanse the temple, come and cleanse our hearts and, and take away those things that are keeping us from really praying, okay? This is important, all right? And, and what's interesting here, too, is that you have Jesus do this. And, of course, the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people are really angry they were probably getting a little commission on the money that was being made. You know, so you set up your booth. Okay, fine. You, you pay a commission to, commission to the temple, that is to the priests and the elders. And, and then, yeah, that's fine. And, and then, okay, so there's, you know. And so they're angry at Jesus for messing with things. They're angry at Jesus for messing with the status quo. And they want to kill him. You know, it, it's really, really sad. They're, they're seeking to put him to death. And this is toward the end of the Gospel of Luke. Which, and it was evident before, you have this constant battle in the Gospels between Jesus and the, and the leaders of the people. Now, not all the leaders of the people were involved, but there definitely were some. Jesus wasn't the Messiah they were expecting. They don't want him. And isn't that the way it goes sometimes? 
God, that's not what I was expecting from you. Forget it. I don't want it. I didn't expect suffering, Lord. If that's what it means, I'm out of here. And we turn our back on God because we're suffering. We turn our back on religion because some person who was in a church somewhere did something that offended to us. No, you know, our religion is the public worship of God. Don't let Judas take you away from Jesus. Judas was there with Jesus, though. You know, he was one of the 12. For the whole three years of Jesus' public life, Judas was present. He was one of the chosen 12 apostles. He was the keeper of the money bag. And Jesus knew exactly what Judas was going to do. What does he say in John 6? Did I not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? And Jesus let Judas do that. He didn't force him to choose him. Why? People are people sometimes ask that they well, why doesn't God why does God give me freedom? If he knew I was gonna go to hell, why did he why did he even make me? He made you because he loves you and he wants you to live in union with him. He made me because he loves me. He wants me to live in union with him. That's true for all of us. Amen. And each one of us can say that to ourselves personally. But in order to do that, we have to give up sin. Jesus equates obedience and love. Obedience, the, the, the keeping of God's commands, that is love. That's love in action. And this is the deal. God wants us to love because God is love and we're made in his image. We were made in the image of love. So we're supposed to love. God is free. He's not constrained or coerced by anyone. He's free and he wants us to be free. Love, in order to be true love, has to be free. If you tell someone, if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. If you leave me, I just don't know what I'll do. I just don't think I can go on. Well, honey, that's not free. You are trying to manipulate somebody. When you love someone, you say to them, if you have to go, you have to go. That's going to hurt. It's not going to feel good. And I'm hoping that maybe you won't. But I'm going to give you your freedom. And that's what God does. He gives us this freedom. He gives us this, this frightening freedom to be able to reject him. Well, Mary Bishop Sheen said it so succinctly when he said, the only value in saying yes to God, you have the freedom to say no. And how can we actually love without freedom? Oh, I don't think we can. We can't. It's not right. Exactly. Without freedom, there is no love. Right. And this God didn't make a, a, a universe of automatons, which is another thing, you know, Bishop Sheen once said, he said, God could have made a universe of automatons, mm-hmm. but he didn't want a bunch of robots. Nope. You know, he doesn't want, he didn't want a bunch of people to just serve him because they have no choice. Right. He gives us free will, the will to either choose him or reject him. And he leaves us free. And we have to do the same with other people. We're not supposed to try and control the lives of others. We pray for them that they will make the right choice. And even here in the temple, Jesus does drive the money changers out because what they're doing is they're preventing people from praying. They have no business in there. He has a right to drive them out. You get out of here. You go in the marketplace. If you want to sell your money, you know, make, change your monies and sell your, your animals, you go out there in the marketplace, not in the temple right. where you're preventing people from praying. The church is a place of prayer. So... And, and the people are hanging on Jesus's words. They love what he's saying. He's speaking with authority and not like their scribes. So from all of this, we're going to go into death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And uh, that also involves freedom, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. The four last things. And I'm, I've got a good story to tell you about a man that was terminally dying. And uh, he decided to call the police to tell him something. When we come back, I'll tell you more about that. 
on the Bible with the Barbers. Hi, this is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus 911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need Covenant Eye to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to CovenantEyes.com and type in the promo code, the NPR, to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the eminent threats on the internet. www.CovenantEyes.com Code VMPR Live Porn Free. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. God bless you. Keep the faith. Jesus said to the apostles in Luke chapter 10 Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. According to St. Boniface, in her voyage across the ocean of this world, the church is like a great ship being pounded by the waves of life's different stresses. Our duty is not to abandon ship, but to keep her on course. May our Lord help us remain ever faithful to his church to aid and defend her. Or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Wow, Mary, this story just fits right in with our show today, The Four Last Things. This story is about a 53-year-old Alabama man diagnosed with terminal illness recently came forward to help authorities clear a 25-year-old cold murder case allegedly telling the detective over the phone that he was the one who pulled the trigger. And I, I say this because he wanted to clean his conscience. He wanted, he knew he was dying. Right. And it's like, I just want to get this off my chest. Wow. I was the one who killed that mom and, and the daughter. Oh. And uh, you know what? There's forgiveness. Exactly. He was repenting. And I just think that it really fits because we're talking about the four last things. And... Uh, this is a story that, again, grabs the attention of our conscience. And this is what all of us need to do with, you know, examining our conscience on a daily basis. Absolutely. And it's interesting. I w- in, in the Book of Wisdom, you know, you're, you're looking up death and you want to find out what the, the, the scriptures have to say about it. That's what this is all about, right? The Bible with the barbers. 
So in, in the book of wisdom, in the first chapter, beginning with verse 11, it says, Beware then of useless murmuring and keep your tongue from slander because no secret word is without result and a lying mouth destroys the soul. Do not invite death by the error of your life, mm-hmm. nor bring on destruction by the works of your hands, because God did not make death. Did you catch that? God did not make death. And he does not delight in the death of the living. For he created all things that they might exist. And the generative forces of the world are wholesome, and there is no destructive poison in them. And the dominion of Hades is not on earth. And then in, in, verse two, in chapter 2, verse 23 and 24, it says, For God created man for incorruption and made him in the image of his own eternity. But through the devil's envy, death entered the world. So how did death come into the world? Because the devil was envious of man. God created man to live like God and to live with God. And the devil didn't want to live with God. So here, you know, how does that tie into the story Terry told? Mm-hmm. The lying words, your deeds, what will they buy you? This man is dying of terminal cancer. And he somehow, somebody's praying for this guy somewhere yeah. because his conscience got to him. And he said, no, I need to confess that crime, right. which was also a sin. I'm going to meet God. Yep. And I need to say, you know what? What I did was wrong. Right. And I did it and I was wrong and I'm sorry. Right. And, and that's the book of wisdom is telling us death didn't come into the world because God made death. And I've, I've had people, young people think that, that, oh, well, if something exists, if there's something present in the world, God must have made it like, oh, God made abortion because obviously, no, God didn't make sin. He didn't make sin any more than he made death. As a matter of fact, in the book of Romans, we are told that through one man's sin, death came into the world. It was through sin that death came into the world. God didn't make sin. It was that Adam and Eve chose to sin. They rejected God. And what I want to, what we want to do here today is look at the catechism of the Catholic Church and people are like, well, wait a minute, I thought this is a Bible study. Hey, you want a Bible revival? Get a catechism of the Catholic Church. We have a, a priest here um, who says Mass on Sunday, Father Glenn Batten. And Father Glenn actually said that as a Protestant minister, he was using the Catechism of the Catholic Church, to prepare his sermons on the Bible because that's what the Catechism is very much rooted in Scripture because the Church is the authentic interpreter. The Catholic Church is the authentic interpreter of Scripture. You know, the Bible didn't drop out of heaven. It was the Catholic Church that gave us the Bible. And and it, it is God's inspired word, and it is inerrant. And the original texts are inerrant. They don't have any errors in them. But what's the, what's the deal here? What is death? What, as Christians, how do we see death? Are we afraid of death? Should we be running in fear? The, you know, all this COVID going around. I, as a matter of fact, someone just called me this morning and said, look, a friend of mine just called me and they said they have COVID and they are so scared. How many people do, and their question, the, the person who called me, their question to me was, how many people do you actually know who have, who got COVID? You know, in addition to that, and I don't know, Terry and I, I don't know, we know maybe a couple dozen people who've gotten COVID. Yeah. I don't know if we know of any of them who've died. No. And some of them were very older. I mean, 75 well, they years other old. other issues in their health. And yeah, people with comorbidities, comorbidities, people who were 75, 86, 90s, in their 90s, and they've all survived it. You know, and you're like, well, um, what are we all running in fear for? And just a quick note on a side note, 
as you're going along, I want people to also be reassured that there are doctors yeah. who are saying that this COVID-19 is way over the top, that it's not um, the hysteria, hysteria over it, over it saying that the masks don't do anything. Uh, this is something that just has to run its course. Yeah. And we're making it a political football. And this is a man who has so many, I mean, he's from, uh, he's from England and he's got all kinds of Western medical assessments. I mean, this guy's like, I uh, got so many de- degrees of, of, uh, of, of education in this field. And he just said, I just can't be quiet anymore. I have to speak up. Yeah. So it's called full transcripts. Doctor destroys utterly the unfounded public hysteria over COVID-19. This should reassure people, Mary Danielle. Absolutely. That this is, we've been hoodwinked over this whole thing. Right. And, and as Christians, this is what we want to give you today is the biblical perspective. Yeah. Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Those are the four last things. Why do we call them that? Well, you know what? First of all, we all know that we're all going to die. You think? I, hope. I mean, I think so. Yeah, um, last time I looked. You know, when God made us, you're right. What would we read in the book of wisdom? God didn't make death. He didn't intend for it to be this way. But the devil was envious, and so he tempted Adam and Eve to sin. They sinned, and so you know what came? Death. Now you will die. You know, God told him, if you eat from that tree, in the center of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And Adam, the devil thought, oh, you won't die. You'll become like God. <laughs> There's nobody in our world today who wants to be God, right? None of us have this delusion of grandeur that we could be God and we could make the truth. And the truth could be whatever I decide it to be, right? None of us suffers from that, right? Mm-hmm. So what do we know? Well, we're dying in Jesus Christ. Paragraph 1005. To rise with Christ, we must die with Christ. We must be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Where did the church get that? Oh, let's see now. Second um, Corinthians 5.8. In that departure, which is death, the soul is separated from the body. Okay. Philippians 1.23. It will be reunited with the body on the day of the resurrection of the dead. And we know that because Jesus, Jesus died, Right. We know that because Jesus died, and on the day of resurrection, what happened? His body and soul were reunited, okay? His body and soul separated in death. He really experienced death. So we're dying in Christ. When we were baptized into Christ, we were baptized into his death, right? So it is in regard to death that man's condition is most shrouded in doubt. In a sense, bodily death is natural, but for faith, it is in fact the wages of sin, right? The wages of sin is death. We learn in Romans 6, 23, and in Genesis 2, 17. For those who die in Christ's grace, it is a participation in the death of the Lord so that they can also share in his resurrection. And you can compare that to Romans 6, 3 through 9 and Philippians 3, 10 through 11. So death is not something to be afraid of. For Christians, Jesus Christ has redeemed the meaning of death. All right. It becomes a gateway to eternal life. It's no longer because and there, there was this idea, you know, when you're dead. And I remember when I was in high school and Catholic high school. And this was a guy who'd gone to Catholic high school for eight years. And now he's in freshman in Catholic high school. And he says, when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. You're done. And I'm like, the resurrection. You know, well, what's going on here? Somehow he didn't get the catechesis. OK, so when you're dead, you're not dead. You're, you, you're going to die. And then 
you're judged and you're either going to heaven or hell. And that depends on how we acted in this life. And we know these things. So death is the end of our earthly lives. Okay. So we have our life here on earth, right? But then remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the dust returns to its earth as it was. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. Mm-hmm. So that's from Ecclesiastes, um, Ecclesiasticus, excuse me, uh, chapter 12, 1 and 7, that remember man that thou art dust and unto dust thou shalt return is the, the, the short version of it, that we were, we're going to die. And because we're going to die, live, remember your last end and you will not sin. The scripture tells us, remember your last end and you will not sin. Why? Well, death is a consequence of sin. And we know that. We know that because, again, um, it wasn't in God's plan. We already found that out from the book of wisdom. But it, death entered the world on account of man's sin. Was that a scriptural teaching? Yeah. Genesis 2.17, Genesis 3.3, 3, Genesis 3.19, Wisdom 1.13, Romans 5.12, and Romans 6.23. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a scriptural teaching. Death entered the world on account of man's sin. And so it's contrary to God's plan, which we already saw. In, uh, and, and that's, uh, you can also, you know, in wisdom, 2, 23 and 24, it wasn't God's intention. But bodily death from which man would have been immune had he not sinned is thus the last enemy, a man, a man as, of man left to be conquered. So death is the last thing we have to face. It's that last enemy mm-hmm. that we have to face. 1 Corinthians 15, 26. But if we face it in union with Jesus Christ, it's nothing to be afraid of because he has something wait, waiting for us. We have the, the meaning of Christian death. What is the meaning of Christian death? For to me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, Paul tells us, right? Say Paul tells us in Philippians 1.21. The saying is sure. If we have died with him, we will also live with him, he tells us in 2 Timothy 2.11. All right? So Christian death is we have died with Christ sacramentally in baptism. And because we've already died to this world with Christ in baptism, we don't have to fear the bodily death. We can look for it eagerly. As a matter of fact, if any Christians look for it eagerly, well, I'm going to read you a little passage here from St. Ignatius of Antioch. It is better for me to die in Christ Jesus than to reign over the ends of the earth. What profit does a man show to gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his soul? Him it is that I seek, who died for us. Him it is I desire, who rose for us. I am on the point of giving birth. Let me receive pure light. When I shall have arrived there, then I shall be a man. So we will really be who we were meant to be when we die. This, by the way, this is from a letter that Ignatius wrote to the Romans. Ignatius of Antioch has been captured by the Romans. He's being taken to Rome to suffer martyrdom. And along the way, he writes these letters and he wrote this letter to the Romans saying, don't do me any favors by interceding for me and trying to save me from bodily death. I'm looking forward to this. I'm eagerly longing, just like Paul, who says, I long for death. For, for me, life is Christ and therefore death is gain. And so I want to die. But at the same time, I want to stay here to work on your behalf. And I don't know which to prefer. So I leave it up to the Lord. But we shouldn't be afraid of death. We should be longing for it because 
It's the entrance into eternal life if we live in Christ. And that's our birthday. When we die, the church says that's their birthday. Because it's the birthday of a new life in Christ. We'll be back with more of the Bible of the Bible. Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app <laughs> for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Daniel, what a testimony, and I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And we have some more here on um, just following up on the idea of death and should we be desire, should we be afraid of it? And St. Paul, of course, has said, my, di- my desire is to depart and be with Christ. He said that in Philippians 1.23. And if we, and the, the idea is, you know, not, we can't just say everybody's going to heaven. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we're striving to live in the Lord and to live in union with him, then we don't have to be afraid of death. And what happens is, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, you know when you were kids and your, your parents are always like, you guys, you're sneaking around like you're doing something wrong. You know, <laughs> I, you're wanting to hide stuff. And that, that's an indication that something's not right here. So so come forward, confess, and, and let's just get this up on board here. Let's What's going on? Stop this sneaking around. 
And isn't that the way we are? When we're doing things that are wrong, we try to hide them and we try to hide them from ourselves. But we want to come forward before the Lord and just say, you know what, Lord, I need your help. I need your help. But we don't have to be afraid of death. My earthly desire has been crucified. There is living water in me, water that murmurs and says within me, come to the Father. And again, that was from St. Ignatius of Antioch's letter to the Romans. But Teresa of Avila wrote, I want to see God. In order to see him, I must die. Are we longing to see God? If we fall in love with God, if we spend time with him in prayer every day, we'll want to see him. Tres of Lezu wrote, and this is so beautiful. Tres of Lezu wrote, I'm not dying. I'm entering life. Mm-hmm. She was di- she had tuberculosis. Oh, yeah. She was suffering incredibly. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm not dying. I'm entering life. And this is, this is the perspective. We need to work on changing our perspective on death. Death is that entrance into eternal life. Well, my line was right from Dr. Scott Hahn. Life is short. Eternity is forever. And, you know, Mary, even... We have some of our relatives that lived over 100 years old. That's still very insignificant compared to eternity. Absolutely. And, you know, and what, what profit does a man show to gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his soul? And, and that brings us to judgment. Well, judgment. What about judgment? Well, first of all, Jesus makes it pretty clear what, he, what we're going to be judged on. Yeah. In, in, the, in the scriptures, in the gospel, Jesus says, um, you know, you're going to be judged on your works, right? Um. When I was hungry, you gave me to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison or sick, you visited me. When I was a a stranger, you welcomed me. When, Lord, when did we do these things? Whenever you did it for the least of your brothers. And to those who are condemned, and it does say that there will be those who are condemned. Remember, he separates the sheep from the goats. At the last judgment, he will separate the sheep from the goats. And the sheep are on his right and the goats are on his left. And to the goats, he says, you didn't do these things. What do you mean, Lord? When didn't we take care of your needs? Whenever you didn't do it for the least of my brothers. Okay, so judgment is there. And we know from the book of Hebrews, by the way, Hebrews 9, 27, man dies once and is then judged. We're not looking for an earthly paradise. There is no reincarnation. That's not true. It's not a truth. It's a false teaching. When we die we die and we will face God. We were made for God. We were made for union with God. God is calling us to himself. He's calling us home. But we have to be faithful to God on this earth. We have to follow his commandments. We have to live, as Socrates said, and he was a pagan, if you want to know God, you have to live a disciplined, virtuous life. And you can't just live debauchery. So if we're we're trying to live in debauchery, we're not going to ever know God. And if we don't know him, how can we love him? He calls us to love. We're all called to love. You know, some people might be sitting out there thinking, you're judging me. You know, it may feel that way. I'm not judging anybody. Okay, honey? I want you to know that. I'm not judging anybody. Every one of us has to examine our conscience and come before the Lord and say, Lord, I need your help. Is there hope for the, hope, for the, for the, um, <clears throat> the addict who doesn't seem to be able to overcome their addiction? Yes, there is. The Catholic, the Catholic Church has at least one patron for you, if not more, St. Mark G. Tianqian, okay? He died a martyr in the Boxer Revolution in China. And St. Mark G., J-I, and his last name is T-I-A-N-X-I-A-N. You can look him up. St. Mark, who had been, he, he was a medical doctor. He got a stomach ailment in his mid-30s incredibly painful 
and he treated himself with opium, but he became so addicted to the opium, he couldn't give it up. And he begged God for the grace to be able to overcome this addiction. And in those days, you know, the church and the priests didn't understand the nature of addiction. And so the priest judged that Mark was culpable, that he was responsible for his actions. And, and therefore, he wasn't really sorry for his sin. And so the priest told him, you can't come to confession anymore until you give up this addiction. After two years, the priest said, you're not really sorry because if you were, you would give it up. So you can't come to confession anymore. You can't go to communion. He was a, maybe 40. He, he died a martyr in his 70s. And so he lived the rest of his life as a faithful Catholic, praying all the time, praying every day, still going to church, still praying, not criticizing the priest, not criticizing the church, not con- but asking God for the grace. And finally he said, Lord, give me the grace of martyrdom because I cannot overcome this vice that has a grip on me. And I'm told that it's separating me from you and I don't want to be separated from you. Now I'm paraphrasing. I don't know. But I know that he prayed for the grace of martyrdom and he was granted that grace. And I do know that because of that, he wanted the Lord. So do we want the Lord? Remember, sin is in the will. Nobody forces you to sin. Nobody's forcing you to live in sin. If you're living with a man or a woman you're not married to and you're living and you're having conjugal relations, nobody's forcing you to sin. That's your choice. You don't have conjugal relations with someone you're not married to. And so we live in the freedom of the children of God with God's grace. The church isn't forcing you to live in sin. If you had a previous marriage and you don't want to have it looked at by the church or you don't want to go through all the effort that it takes to have it looked at by the church for them to pronounce whether or not that marriage was actually a marriage or not, to grant, and remember, the, the grant of a, null, of a, a decree of nullity in the Catholic Church is not a divorce. It's saying there was no marriage to begin with in the, the first instance. So, but nobody's forcing you to live in sin. Sin is in your will. So like St. Mark G. Tan Chen, St. Mark didn't want opium. He didn't want to turn away from God. He didn't want to be an addict. He wanted to serve the Lord freely, but he has a body just like the rest of us. And he didn't have full dominion over his body. So finally he asked the Lord to grant him the grace of martyrdom. And mm. the Lord granted him that grace. And not just martyrdom, he died, he died with mm. nine other members, with nine members of his family that wow. was you know, relatives, two of his own children, but other relatives. And he asked the executioners to, not, to, to put him to death last mm. so that none of his family members had to die alone. So he was praying with his family members as they were led to death. Beautiful. It's like St. Maximian Colby in yeah, the, the ten guys. That, yeah. You know, when he was put in the starvation bunker. Yep. And he administers he, 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 he ministers to all of them while they're dying and and, and and helps them into heaven. And this is what St. Mark G. Tianxian did. So yeah, there are saints for those of us who have addictions that we can't overcome. Or it, we don't have full dominion over our body. You know, for some for some it's it's little things like eating which is not necessarily a mortal sin. For some, it's mortal sin. I mean, things that are gravely morally evil appear to be mortal sins. Remember, it's not a sin if you didn't fully choose it with full freedom of your will. If you have an addiction, you're probably not free. So turn to the Lord and ask for freedom. But in the meantime, trust him that he can still give you the grace you need so that on the judgment day, when you stand before him, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Remember to pray for the souls in purgatory. Remember to pray for the, for the sick and the suffering. Remember to pray for peace in the world. Remember to give to the hungry and, and the thirsty and to visit the sick and the imprisoned. Be charitable and don't cut people out of your lives and don't allow bitterness, resentment, and anger to rule you. We all have these emotions to deal with, okay? There are 11 emotions and there are different facets of them. Bitterness and resentment are facets of the emotion of anger. But here's the deal. You say, Jesus, I don't consent to the sin of anger. If I see injustice, I should feel the emotion of anger. But Lord, I don't consent to the sin of anger. Can I correct the injustice I see? Maybe I can't correct it. I mean, I personally can't correct the injustice of, of a, a, a fraudulent election. I personally can't correct the injustice of a governor who locks down our state and doesn't allow us to go to church. But I can take the suffering that I have from the emotion of anger and say, Lord, I don't consent to the sin of anger, but I will go to church as often as I can and I will pray. And I want you to take care of this because this is something I can't. And there's a beautiful prayer you can all pray every day. We can all pray every day. Jesus, I surrender myself to you Take care of everything. For those of you who are frightened about COVID, read Psalm 23. And not just Psalm 23. There are other Psalms. Read the Psalms. But especially, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Even though he should lead me through the valley of, the, of death, I will fear no evil. For he is at my side. Even though I should have to walk through the valley of death, I fear no evil. For you are at my side with your rod and your staff that give me courage. So we don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of judgment. Live in the freedom of the children of God. We all sin. Jesus said the just man falls seven times a day. Confession. Go to confession. And if you're not Catholic, you know what? You can confess your sins to the Lord every day. Ask him for his mercy and his grace. Lord, I don't want to go on sinning. I want to live in the freedom that you won for me. I want to live in love. Read 1 Corinthians 13 and and love. What is love? You know, love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't put on errors. It doesn't rejoice in the wrong. Love bears all things, believes all things, Mm. hopes all things. Mm. You know, love doesn't allow the one who loves me to lead me into injustice, to lead me into sin. No, love says, you know what? It would be offensive to God if we did that because that's an unjust act. So you know what? I will not cooperate with that. I love you enough to tell you no. There are certain things I won't let you encourage me to do because that leads me away from God. And, and all will come out on the judgment day. It will all be made known. There will be no secrets. Everything will be made known. Wow. Yeah. I got nothing to say. <laughs> Well, we, we, want, we, want, we want to be faithful to the Lord. And remember, Jesus talks about the last judgment and what it will be like. So feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty and clothe the naked and, and pray for each other. We'll be back in a moment. We still have to talk about heaven and hell. Jesus said in Matthew 26, Stay awake and pray that you may not enter into temptation. According to St. Ephraim, 
Jesus, who feared nothing, experienced fear and asked to be freed from death, although he knew it was impossible. How much more must we persevere in prayer before temptation assails us, so that we may be freed when the test has come? May God grant that we may withstand temptation and carry out His will in all things. Tummy. How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions, but what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the key word pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. If you like this program, please... uh, like it and share it. Uh, click the like button there below the screen on the screen on your screen and share it. And don't forget uh, on Tuesdays you have a Bible study at 7 p.m. here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Right. So if you're in Southern California, you're welcome to come. And all the podcasts of not just Bible with the Barbers, but all the shows on Virgin Most Powerful are podcast on our website. And I mean, today what we wanted to give you was a little hope, okay? And I, and I hope this is hopeful, especially with that. I received that call before the show this morning from somebody you know, very close to me that asked me, you know, I I have this friend who called me and she's all nervous because she has COVID. And it's like, everybody thinks that getting COVID is a death sentence. Number one, it's not a death sentence. You know, over 99.7%. We just read the article in LifeSite News, one out of 300,000 people will die. One out of 300,000. Are so you kidding me? It, it's not a death sentence, but but even if it were a death sentence, we all, we all have, we're, we're not in this world to live in this world forever. And that's what we want to talk about now. What is it that makes us so afraid of death? Well, number one, I don't, I, I, I think we don't think about heaven enough. Mm-hmm. You know, Amen. what does Jesus promise us? What is the promise? If we keep the commandments, people say, well, it's so hard to keep the commandments. It's so, oh, but it's, you know, and I'm going to have to give up all my fun. And I no, actually you, you gain your freedom Mm -hmm. and you gain dominion over yourself. When we, when we stop sinning, we gain freedom and dominion over ourselves. And we also gain this union with God that is incredibly beautiful and deep. We were made for personal union with someone who fully knows us and fully loves us. 
And when we begin to enter into union with God, this is what we experience. We experience being known and loved even in the midst of our weakness. You know, most of us want to hide our weakness from the people around us because we think, well, if people really knew who I was, they wouldn't be friends with me. You know, a lot of people feel like that. But God knows us and he still wants to be friends with us. And what has he prepared for us? He prepared for us a life of union with him in heaven for all eternity. St. Paul said what? He said, I consider the sufferings of the moment as nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed in me. And he who perseveres unto the end will gain the crown of life, we're told in the book of Revelation. Mary, I just have to interrupt. I was incorrect. It's individuals under the age of 65. One person out of 300,000 with COVID-19 will die. Okay. I mean, it's such a minute, a small percentage of people. And and they, you know, we make such a big deal about this. I'm sorry, but the facts are the facts. And also people over 65 who are treated properly and soon in Japan and in Taiwan, they didn't tell people, oh, well, you're not feeling well, go home and get really sick and then come back when you're really sick. Mm -hmm. Now, when your respiratory system is Mm -hmm. blocking up with phlegm and now then come back. Mm -hmm. No, they immediately treated them. And they used bedesidine inhalers along with uh, the Z-Pak and vitamin C, okay? Uh, the ZPAC, the purpose of the ZPAC is to prevent secondary infections. That's just an aside. But, but the reality is, is there have been many, many cases. There was a doctor in Galveston, Texas, at the very beginning of the outbreak of COVID. He has a nursing home that he takes care of. 58 of his patients in the nursing home got COVID. In addition to those 58 people, he had 23, I believe, healthcare workers who had COVID. And out of them all, he lost one. One. Now, they say that people over 65 who have comorbidities, you should lose 15% of that population. He only lost one out of 58. That's not 15% by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. That's nowhere near as 15%. One out of 58. Okay? Those were the people over 65 with comorbidities. Okay? But he treated them immediately. Immediately. He didn't wait until they got sicker. As soon as they started having flu-like symptoms, okay, boom. We give them vitamin C, we give them zinc, we give them the Z-Pak, and we give them, he was using hydroxychloroquine. He didn't ask anybody's permission, and he didn't ask anybody about it. He just gave it to them. And, and all of his patients got, with the exception of one, but you know what, we're all going to die someday. So, uh, and the point is, do we meditate on heaven? And this is what I really want to encourage in this last section. Hell is real, okay? And there really is a hell, and unfortunately, people really do go, but God didn't make hell for people, remember when Jesus, that the last judgment, when he talks about the last judgment, he says to the people on his left, he's going to say, out of my sight, you condemned into the everlasting fire that was prepared for Satan and his angels. It was prepared for the fallen angels who rejected God. It wasn't prepared for man. But if we give in to temptation and we say, well, you know, it's just too hard for me to live without sin and I'm just going to go on sinning and somehow God will forgive me in the end even if I don't ask. Well, by the way, no, there's no forgiveness of sin if we don't ask. We have to confess. And like that man who was dying that Terry read the story about in the beginning, he's facing death and he realizes, you know what? I did this crime and it's a sin also. It's offensive to God. It was, it was an attack on the dignity of a human person. He killed two people, I guess. And so, and it was also an attack on his own dignity. When we sin, we attack our own dignity. We degrade ourselves as human beings. So hell is real. 
It is eternal. There's no getting out once you're in there. So don't go there. You know, don't live in mortal sin. Go to confession. If you're not Catholic, fine. Confess your sins to the Lord and ask him for his mercy. He is he forgives you. As soon as you ask, he forgives. But we need for, for us Catholics, we go to confession. We have this great sacrament that Jesus established where we know our sins are forgiven when the priest absolves us because it's Christ who's absolving us. But we need to think about heaven. We need to think about what God has prepared. You know, there, there's a there's a passage in the scriptures Paul wrote, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor the heart of man conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And everybody thinks that just refers to heaven. By the way, it doesn't. That union with God that God wants for us, that begins here on earth. Already, God has called us all to something called transforming union. He wants to transform us into a living image of himself so that we can say like Paul, I live now, not I, but Jesus Christ lives in me. Heaven is where we want to be. We want to be with the saints and the angels. There's no more death. There's no more suffering. There's no more tears. There's, and, and God will be all in all. We will see God as he is. And the letter of John tells us we will become like him. That doesn't mean we're going to be gods. We're not going to be our own little gods. We're not going to have our own little planet. We're not, we're not God. We will always be his creatures. But as his creatures, he wants to share his life with us. We get to share in the life of the Trinity. God is not a solitude unto himself. He's a community of love and life, overflowing with love. We have love for all eternity. And the contrast for that is, is hatred for all eternity. That's what the devil has. Remember, faith doesn't save you. Faith alone. Faith alone doesn't save you. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, the devil believes and he trembles. The devil has faith in God, but he doesn't have charity. Hmm. He has no charity. We all want charity. And again, read 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul describes what charity is. And read also what Jesus said. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Charity is not some nebulous feeling of, oh, I want good things for everybody. I just want everybody to be happy. And I just want good things. I want everybody to, to feel good and and, and be happy all the time. That's not charity. That's just emotion. That's just human sentiment. Mm -hmm. Charity is what Mother Teresa did, going out into the streets and picking up the dying. Charity is what St. John Paul II did when that man tried to shoot him, and he went to visit that man in prison and say, I forgive you for trying to kill me. Mm. That's charity. Charity is when we forgive our neighbor for hurting us. It's not charity to cut people out of our lives. You know, you hurt me, you're done. I'm done with you. I will never talk to you again. You're out of my life. I don't want you in my life anymore. Well, honey, you're hurting yourself when you do that. You're cutting yourself off from the possibility of love, even within yourself and your own life. We forgive our enemies because Jesus forgave us. We were his enemies. You know, remember it says in the scriptures, even for a good man, it would be hard to die. But for a really good man, you might be willing to lay down your life. And this is how God shows his love for us. I'm paraphrasing. But in that when we were still his enemies, Jesus Christ died for us. And he died for us. Why? So that we could be in heaven with him for all eternity. So that we could fall in love. And that begins here on earth. Heaven is, I have found my heaven on earth, St. Elizabeth of the mm -hmm. Trinity wrote. For heaven is where God is and he is in my heart. 
St. Therese of Lisieux could say, I'm not dying, I'm coming into life. Yes, I'm coming into eternal life. I'm passing through the doorway, yet it's real. And she was really suffering, but she was uniting her sufferings to Jesus Christ on the cross. And because of that, she could be filled with great joy. Jesus Christ on the cross may not have known human happiness, the emotion, because he was in pain, but he knew joy. And, and like the, you know, in the, in, the, in the book of Maccabees, when 90-year-old Eleazar mm-hmm. is giving his life rather than violate the law of God, he says, I am suffering great torment in my body, and yet I am doing so with great joy in my soul. Stephen, when he was being stoned to death, he sees a vision of heaven. He looks up and sees a vision of heaven, and he says, you know, here is Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father in glory. And, and God wants to share that glory with us. And Stephen says, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. The people who are stoning him, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And that may have been the prayer that converted Paul, who was there. Saul of Tarsus, Paul, Saul Paul, that was his name. He was, his Jewish name was Saul. His Roman name was Paul. He was a Roman citizen. And he was, the people were piling, the people who were stoning Stephen to death are piling their cloaks at the feet of Saul. And Stephen says, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. Hmm. So we pray, Lord, help us to, to just focus on heaven, to read your scriptures, to remember what is the promise you have given us? What is this eternal life? Give us a glimpse into this eternal life. Share with us a knowledge a surety of the, the glory that you want to reveal in us so that we can persevere through the trials. Paul persevered because the suffering of the moment was nothing in comparison to the glory that would be revealed in him. Jesus Christ endured the cross heedless of its shame because of the glory that was going to be revealed in him. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's the glory that's waiting us in heaven. That's why we can be joyful in the midst of suffering. That's why we don't have to fear death. Don't be afraid of death. Death is our brother who's coming to welcome us to take us to Christ. Well said. Yeah, the uh, culture right now is trying to put a fear of death to control us. Really, they're trying to control you with by fear. And I'll tell you who runs in that bunch the devil the devil that's right so he wants you to fear it no we're in christ we don't fear death so they appreciate it i got uh yeah thank you for listening to bible with the barbers anyone who's local please join us for our tuesday night bible study and those of you who are listening please share this with others get your friends to listen to bible with the barbers and virgin most powerful radio our other shows that are available if you can support us with a donation call 877-526-2151, but especially pray for us that we too may persevere to the end, that after having preached to others, we will not fall away.